Hello, and welcome to The Fast and the Fictitious. This podcast series is produced and recorded by high school juniors and seniors producing a college literature credit from Sewella Technical Community College in Lake Charles, Louisiana, during the fall 2023 semester. The course itself is live-streamed five days a week to seven different area high schools as one of Calcasieu Parish School Board's Virtual Instruction Program Dual Enrollment Courses. The idea behind this podcast is for students to have a discussion about big ideas or big issues. Each episode has an anchor text, a short story from a variety of authors, ranging from Ernest Hemingway to Kate Chopin to David Foster Wallace and everyone in between. Using the short story as a guide, each pair of students touch on a variety of topics. Sometimes they do a little critical analysis of the assigned text. Often they talk about larger social or personal issues. In each case, the discussion is open and honest. The hope is that these students will have thought deeply about the issues and topics and that the current and future listeners, whether students or not, will gain some insight into the anchor text as well as do a little self-examination of their own lives, thoughts, and feelings. In this episode, Tyler and Shine discuss Chinua Achibe's short story, The Sacrificial Egg. In addition to the story, they talk about tradition versus change, tradition as community, cultural identity, being torn between two cultures, how we lose tradition over time, the importance of family in maintaining cultural identity, how material goods have replaced abstract ideas as something significantly cultural, how superstition impacts a person's ability to change, forced conformity, how much of ourselves is okay to lose in order to assimilate into a dominant culture, how people feel obliged to accommodate up, sweet spaghetti, and more. We hope you enjoy. So The Sacrificial Egg by Chinua Chibe, basically this story about um, this guy named Julius. He is taught um, sort of the ways of the British, You'd say it's a little bit of, uh, you know, learning about their, their culture, their ways and things like that. He's educated locally in Nigeria and he comes back to his native village, this sort of this town's uh, sort of marketish place that gets a lot of commerce and he's sort of seeing the shift between um, what it was like before, where it is now. And I feel like this story does a really, really good job on uh, sort of exploring that Nigerian uh, colonialism. And it's not the only place that really experienced colonialism. I mean, it happened all across the world, but um, I do think that this is a really, really good example of how tradition and culture sort of shape the world. But um, Shine, what kind of, you know, traditional cultural values do you and your family practice? Um, God, well, my, uh, my mom, she lived most of her, she lived most of her life in Japan after, she moved there from the Philippines and she lived most of her life there. And then we moved from there to Chica. So I think we we practice like a balance of Filipino culture and Japanese culture. Yeah. There, 
Uh, there are certain things we do, like. Hmm. It's hard to think of it when you're on the spot. We write down like wishes on paper and then we roll it up with money and we stick it into rice on New Year's. Uh, we, hmm. I don't know. It's I hard. Mean... I'll, I'll let you know when I think of it. But <laughs> it's, I don't know. The, the reason it's so hard to think about is it's that like, you definitely find that when you when you move over here there's just like you become more distanced from i guess your like cultural identity because everything is so westernized so yeah 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 i mean absolutely i guess that's sort of how it feels in general to be an immigrant or just to be somebody who's in a foreign land having to uh, move into that lifestyle change of of the different culture and the di different atmosphere. So I, I get it. It's like you sort of leave a little bit of your home behind and the rest of it, you have to take in with yourself every single time that you that you go about your, your daily routines. You know, if you forget that, it's gone. Um, you know, in my personal experience, my family doesn't have many cultural values per se. We're fully assimilated I guess you could say because there's nothing that at least I did or my grandparents did or my great-grandparents did that's truly unique from a different area it's pretty much just the same sort of clash of everything that all of of America sort of experiences like for example um rather than growing up with more Cajun foods even though uh we live in louisiana we grew up with more uh like american foods i guess you could say your hamburgers your hot dogs all that kind of stuff that's just truly american and i can see how if it's impacting your food and it could definitely be impacting your your practices your things that you do that are completely unique yeah i get that um do you think that your tradition helps you feel like you belong or does it make you feel like you're more distant from those that surround you? I mean, like you, you find a sense of community in people who share the same practices as you. Like I know that when I was younger, when we moved, uh, when we were uh, just getting settled in Louisiana, we lived in like the New Orleans area and that's where my mom had her all of her like Filipino friends and uh, we would everybody would regularly regularly like meet up and um, we'd all we'd all have these like big karaoke Christmas parties and um sorry what was the question <laughs> I was asking um... if it made you feel <laughs> Tradition made you feel like you belong. Oh and... yes, it does. <laughs> you feel you because you get a sense of uh, community from the people who share the same practices as you. Right. Okay. So, like, do you do you know any Filipino people that you hang out with on a day to day, or do you talk to anybody from? 
from, you know, your past or really just anybody that shares a similar value to you that is in your family? God, um, the thing is, ever since we moved away from New Orleans, we have, we've kind of like not cut ties, but we've grown distant from like that community in that area. I still, I know a good few people who, um, who are there. Like I come in contact with them every now and then. Like, oh, that's that kid who would chase me around with um a skewer and a nerf and a nerf gun. <laughs> you know? Things like that. I would not want to yeah. do I don't think that's a it's like a oh look, it's him, it's such and such. He tried to stab me with a and it was such an awkward interaction too, because it was after the hurricane. And um I didn't realize that anybody had come over here. Not like the hurricane in Lake Charles, but the hurricane in New Orleans. Yeah. Um. So it's they had true. come over. They had come over here to like borrow our generator, and I heard talking in the living room, and I was like, "Who's who's here?" And I thought it was just like my mom or my siblings. So I went out to look into the hallway to like peek out from my bedroom, but I didn't have my glasses on. So I just saw this short. Filipino man in the hallway staring <laughs> at me and I was like do I do I know them so I, I was like making icon I was making semi eye contact with him for 15 seconds before I just closed the door and went back <sighs> yeah I get, I get that <laughs> That's but crazy. have you you don't uh have you not like experienced um and oh, hold on, computer. Have you not experienced anything like um from tradition, like tradition versus change? Oh, or a sense of cultural I identity? Because I know, I know you said something about um not being able to really uh, um relate to. How did you put American it? culture or or you know what's supposed to be Cajun culture yeah you're right. right it's always you know I think about I think about uh the food food is fantastic but everything else I've never been able to really understand or, or get like as if I were to to have like family that really practiced it myself I guess it must mm -hmm. have been great great grandparents um that did that because what my sort of background is is that my um on my mom's side her parents and her whole family live sort of out here in texas and in louisiana while on my grandma's side they were all the way up in north carolina and so um to sort of get to where they are right now it is a blend of those two things they haven't really stayed in the louisiana area for very long so whatever culture they had was already sort of mishmash because they were both in new areas both of my grandparents i have you know my parents and then you know but they they came from so far away that i didn't really have a sense of cultural identity in the first place and so i never really had a tradition to go off of but i do feel like um if i were to i would really want to try and hold on to some of it you know i know julius in the story he sort of is bewildered, astonished by how 
significantly everything has changed since he went to school. It's like it's almost night and day comparing uh, what it was like before to where it is now. And I know if I were, for example, if I was a, a very traditional person and I sort of witnessed how my tradition uh, got sapped away and taken as a result of other people's influence, you know, like British influence sort of did for Julius, I would also be very bewildered, very, very astonished. So I guess that sort of leads me to say it's not, it, it never really impacted me because it was never there. But I know if I was in his shoes, it definitely would. I would be, I mean, maybe if I also lost my wife and uh, my future mother-in-law, I'd also be a little astonished. But yeah, man, that was a sucky. Definitely, that was a <laughs> really sucky. But um, I know that they mentioned in the so in the in the story like a a mommy woda, right? right? Sort of a water spirit that they um held a lot of strong traditional value to, mm-hmm. um, and it sort of resembled that that idealistic thing that thing that is very, very special to you. And I was wondering if, I guess you could say, do you have one of those? Do you have that one thing that you just hold on to that you love, that you really, really can't let go of as like that symbolic value? I don't think, I don't think I could put, I don't think I could put that into one specific thing because it would have to be, Hmm. well if there's several then by all means Mm, I think family family is like a very big well if it's a thing well it doesn't hmm. have to necessarily be a thing it can just be anything in particular that holds a lot of strong symbolic value more than just what it's made up of it has a greater stronger meaning that's more than just its parts right um well while I think of mine why don't you tell me yours Ooh, I, I was thinking about this question and I think similarly because there aren't I don't really have any kind of major di- tradition I didn't have a really big thing that just had that symbolic meaning I mean I have all sorts of stuff that I got that have a greater meaning like for example I have a English friend from across seas and they sent me a little origami dragon and i i mean i look at that and it reminds me of things in it and it has a greater meaning than just oh it's a piece of paper that's been folded in a funny way it has more meaning than that but then again it it doesn't have a cultural meaning but i guess i guess for for mammy wonders they don't or not mammy wonders but symbolic things they don't need to be directly cultural or directly traditional um they can just be from life experiences things that are special because they're yours and because of what's happened to get them right um well i think if we're looking at it if we're looking at it from a cultural perspective then something i can't let go of probably food sounds mm. Yeah. I don't I mean, think I could live without <laughs> my cultural food. If I had to stick to specifically Western, well, how, 
I don't even ha- know how you would define Western food. Because it, it's problem. just it's a mesh of yeah. everything. Exactly. Grew up eating spaghetti just as much as I grew up eating hamburgers. I grew up eating, you know, lo mein and 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 egg rolls as much as I ended up growing up eating hot dogs. It's it's all just a blend of everything. But I guess whenever I met Western food, it was sort of like your your America, your America meals, your 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 TV dinners, your right. your mashed potatoes, ham and green beans, your Thanksgiving di- your Thanksgiving feast, stuff stuff like that. I know it's a lot different for you. Like, what do what do you all do for for Thanksgiving? For Thanksgiving, I think. Well, we learned we learned to like adapt to the holidays. Like we we celebrate we celebrate them. We cook for Thanksgiving, even though it's not the um, usual foods that would be there on Thanksgiving, you know. There's a there's a lot of things that are diff- like in um in the Philippines they start they start celebrating uh Christmas in September instead of like uh December. So that would be amazing. That would have been like a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. I'll just I'll get home and I'll see on the news that they're wearing puffer jackets and I'm like you're in a tropical climate you don't need to be doing all that <laughs> so but like from the from the food standpoint what would you say y'all do differently for for Thanksgiving or Christmas it could be either or um it's just like there's a there's just like different dishes that we do I don't know there's um we don't we don't have turkey we really? we don't usually get a pie um like we usually we serve bunset is like we we have that with every um holiday meal basically it's like a yeah. baseline and, and what, uh, what is that because i know it's it's like it's like a it's stir-fried noodles with vegetables and like meat i'll bring you some if you want if you want to try it sure yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. <laughs> i would love to try it I... yeah I don't... oh i'm sorry go ahead um i would have to like pull up a picture of what we had for thanksgiving dinner oh if i were to like um i know that we uh have a lot of rice a lot of rice cakes um my mom makes spaghetti a lot but really? not it's not american it's, it's not american spaghetti it's um Is it's it like different. the spaghetti it's, that you get from Jollibee? it's like american spaghetti but it's sweeter I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, it's just sweeter. Yeah. Have you? Yeah, I've been have to you tried it before? before. I, I've been yeah. to it was good. It was good. I enjoyed it. How do you like it compared to like um American? I'd say I'd say that because it was so unique, I would need to have it again, just right. to really sort of understand, like. I don't know. It take it takes you to eat some once and be like, ah, it's all right. And then it takes you a second time to really compare it to other foods. Cause that right. that initial shock value of having a sweet spaghetti 
just threw me off initially but it was really really cool and um I guess that sort of ties in to uh how tradition and modernness or I guess you could say just tradition slash cultural stuff combining with uh your more non-traditional non-cultural stuff how they sort of mesh together you find those blends that sort of melting pot uh aspect of areas like america or i guess in this particular story the sacrificial leg it's areas like britain how they sort of mesh together to benefit uh both parties by having that unique combination um right. one of those things that i saw in the story was how uh, Julius, he was a lot more, I guess you could say, and it seems a bit harsh to say this, but he was a bit more educated than some of the other uh, Nigerians and things like that, like his uh, future fiance and his um, his future mother-in-law. He was, he sort of understood that it wasn't truly just spirits or at least the spirits uh, that killed them both was actually was smallpox, or I guess the thing that killed them both. You could argue that those spirits may have, you know, resulted in smallpox. We, you know, their 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 negative feelings or their negative energy towards those two people caused the smallpox. But I think that um, it has its good and it has its bad. But I also wanted to hear your thoughts on like. How does tradition and culture, you know, how does it affect the, the way that a person thinks? And do you feel like it's it benefits them or it hinders their ability to think open-mindedly? You know, what's your opinion on that? I mean, with culture, there comes like a lot of superstitions. And I feel like if you get it, if you get too caught up in a superstition then you kind of like become reluctant to change you know yeah uh but the thing the thing is i don't well what are your thoughts i think that there is definitely a correlation between the two i feel like uh, it, it, it can impede, like you said, through superstitions um, to, to think open-mindedly and also to be forward-thinking. Um, it kind of, it, it sucks a little bit because whenever people get assimilated, whenever people get brought into a new place, sort of go to a new area in the hopes of seeking a better future and prosperity, they also have to adapt to entirely new politics, entirely new social and political dynamics. You have a lot of people who are immigrating who struggle to see proper representation in, in, in politics and in voting, especially, you know, if you look at earlier history, sort of around where this story was taking place, colonialism was fresh, hot off the block in terms of, uh, of like, how it was that modern world uh, impacting the more uh, societally back backwards countries, at least in those colonialism uh, or those 
more modern areas perspective they were sort of backwards it was like you were going amongst the commoners amongst the 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 uninformed amongst the 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 more unintelligent parts of of uh of that area and so i think that just because at this particular time it was definitely uh, a huge shift or a huge gap between tradition and culture and how it actually influenced people to think open-mindedly. I think it's gotten a lot better over time, 100%, but it's also still a, a big problem. Right. It, all, it, also, it also like brings up the question of you find balance between those two things, tradition, change, you know, all of that. Yeah. I think that I think that there is so much that is sort of expected of those of those minorities that they have to work just as hard they have to be just as productive they have to get into our society and whatever their cultural values are that doesn't matter as much as being part of the mainland part of and this is especially in the case of uh you know America in the, in the 19th yeah. century huge 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 18th sorry uh 19th and 20th century it was like they had to conform otherwise they're not part of our society we dislike them because they're not true full-blooded americans and so <laughs> americans and so um i feel like a lot of pressure is put on them and it is even more the fact that they had to leave behind everything to come over just seeking better prospects just hoping that their family and their their livelihoods and their their children their great children can can benefit from their from their ultimate decision yeah especially now like and you can even today you still see immigrants um being pressured to conform to western society and its norms and even even if the even if people like are western you can see this in like deaf people or you know those who are i guess deaf people they have to find ways to accommodate to people who can hear and nobody really thinks to try and accommodate for them you know right i mean sure and there's 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 captioning and things like that but that can only do so much you know that's for you can't caption a person's conversation. You know, there are like ASL classes and things like, and, and those being actually implemented in the schools now, fortunately. But you're right, there's still not, it's still not enough. It's not a requirement or it shouldn't really have to be a, a requirement per se, but everybody should be just a little bit informed about that. So that way those people can feel not just accepted into society, but feel like they're heard. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's really, really, really uh, sad to see sort of that some of that stuff happen, and it's even it's also really sad to sort of see how those kinds of accommodations just weren't there during t the the big colonialism boom uh, back in the the nineteenth century, whenever roughly around whenever this story was taking place, but uh, it's sort of that that big shift between tradition and culture and appeasing 
the more modern uh, sort of powerhouses of that of that time period. And I feel like is what really makes this story special is because in four pages, it was able to capture so much of what it was like to be in the mind of a of a you know a Nigerian during you know the experience experiencing colonialism I feel like it does a really really good job of that it's very interesting because it sort of delves into these spirits and into the perception into the mindset into the culture and practices and values of you know a, a person from from Nigeria and these small uh sort of tribal village like uh, lifestyles right I mean yeah it, if that's uh, all you wanted to talk about on this uh, you cool with ending it off here nothing else comes to mind <laughs> nope <laughs> well alright um, thank you to everyone who tuned in to this podcast episode we hope y'all learned and laughed from our our little discussion on sacrificial egg and we hope y'all have a great day bye bye